guys, Princess here, and welcome to another episode of My Pumpkin. I am back in the man cave. Blech. It is filthy in here, but it's where I gotta record today because I'm recording a little late. I'm just been, I've been having a week, guys. Um, yeah, and you know, I kind of hate everybody and everything. Um, I'm, my mood is not great. <laughs> this is not a time to come at me with some bullshit and. Uh, I actually was tweeting about how, like, okay, so a lot of my mood and stuff revolves around food, and it's been really hard for me, like, I'm just tired of food, and I don't feel satisfied at all by anything, I'm mostly eating at home, but I don't want to eat anything that I make anymore, or anything that's made in this house, I don't want to eat anything in this house, I don't want to eat anything in styrofoam, you know, like, I don't want fucking takeout, I don't, I want to eat a nice meal, a special meal, in a room that I don't own, and I'm just like, <laughs> obviously, you know, there's a fucking pandemic going on. So, and numbers are rising. So I know what my choices are. None to stay the fuck at home. And that's where I am. But like, I'm just really tired of everything I could possibly eat here. And I'm not really eating a lot. And you know, when I don't eat well, it, ne uh, it fucks with my depression and it fucks with like my mood in general. So like, I'm not in a great mood and, and I understand all of that. It's just where I am right now. You know, I was tweeting about it and somebody was like, I don't know who it was. I don't know if they're a listener or not, but they were like something like, you know, just take a deep breath because homemade food's the best anyway. And you just, and I'm like, bitch, <laughs> homemade food's not the best. Guys, what you should know about me is that I grew up not very rich. In fact, I wasn't abjectly poor, but I would consider myself very lower middle class, like just touching poverty, okay? Like, <laughs> like two two little toe toe holds from poverty, and my parents we didn't eat out a lot. Um, my and so for me, like I don't know what I why I did this, but I just kind of like added this specialness to eating out because we always eat at home, and so like just getting fast food. And also when we got fast food, my mom would be like, we got cheese at home. We're not going to pay 25 cents. I don't know why I made her sound like that, but <laughs> that's, that's she would do shit like that. And so like being able to go up in McDonald's and supersize it back when they used to have supersize used to like float my boat. Okay. Being able. And also when you don't like one of the reasons you should eat at home is because when you eat out, they add way more butter, salt, sugar, cheese to anything. You, like if you made that, you would you would never add as much as what they make when when they're doing fast food or even eating in a restaurant. You just wouldn't do that. Like if you make your own food, because mashed potatoes, when you make when you actually make it with the potatoes and everything, takes is a time intensive, you know, task when you're making your, you don't eat mashed potatoes all the time. And so like eating at home is best. But for me, like, especially when I was growing up to go to a restaurant and sit down was such a thing that I've like built it up in my head. I've talked about this on Twitter about how it's really interesting to think about why we do the things we do. Like if you're somebody who uses the butts of breads, why do you do that? And if you're someone who throws it away, why do you do that? Like my mom, 
throws it away because when she grew up, she actually grew up abjectly poor. And she always had to eat those. And so when she grew up, she was like, I'm gonna throw these away. Cause I got a little, cause you know what? I can afford another loaf of bread and her mother couldn't. And because my mom threw them away, I throw them away. But my husband never threw them away because he grew up a lot poorer than I did. And there were a lot more kids in his family and throwing away two perfectly good pieces of bread for every loaf was a no, no. And so, you know, my kids are learning to make lunches. So they're, they're learning to make lunches and they, you know, they can do cereal for the family or I'm trying to teach them some recipes and stuff, but just giving them the idea of like, you're in charge of lunch and you make these things. Great. Um, and they're making sandwiches now. And I noticed the other day that they use the butts of breads. And I asked them why, and they said, because I don't want to waste your money. And I thought about that, but I didn't teach them how to make sandwiches, right? My husband did. And he uses the butts of breads because he's not going to waste that money. And like, I just think it's interesting how we get things and where we get them from and how that affects us and how that affects what we do. And it really could go either way. I mean, when they get older, they might throw away the butts of food, butts of bread because they were like, I never liked them and I had to eat them because my dad told me we were wasting money. Or maybe they'll teach their children that there's nothing wrong with the butts. It really just depends. And so like, yeah, I get that wanting to eat out and like a fixation on food and using food to determine my mood is like wrong, right? It's wrong. But it has a lot to do with the way I was brought up, the way they made eating out so special and my and and my fucking and my eating disorder. That's that's what it is. It's all those things mixed up together. And I just wasn't like, I've just had a hard week, guys, in terms of like keeping it together. And I just did not want that fucking, you know, homemade food's better. And I just was like, ma'am, please leave me the fuck alone. I almost, I, I actually typed out, fuck off, bitch. But <laughs> I was like, all right, this is very rude for you on the internet, princess. It's, People don't want to hear shit like that when they're in the midst of like an emotional moment, okay? And I was in an emotional moment. I'm like thinking a lot about how there's nothing I want to eat. There really isn't. And since there's nothing I want to eat, I'm just like, I have a bag of jelly beans I'm working my way through. And I don't know what happens when that bag of jelly beans is gone. I don't know what to do next. And, you know, next week is Thanksgiving. Um, And... You know, I'm thinking about what to feed my kids and like how to make a Thanksgiving that's that's not how to how to make a Thanksgiving that they will enjoy and like what I need to cook and what my husband's gonna cook and all those things. And then right after Thanksgiving, the Sunday after is Bunny's birthday. And like trying to come up with a birthday dinner that's not pathetic. And I know like logically the logical part of my brain knows that Bunny will be happy with anything. She's got a great gift coming. I can't say what it is because everyone's awake. And I don't know if they can hear me. But like she, she's got a great gift coming. Um, I'm going to see if we can get her ears pierced. But I mean, honestly, no one should be going anywhere. And so that's up in the air. Maybe I'll have to give her an IOU for that. And like, I'll ask her what she wants to eat for her birthday. 
and I'll try to make it happen. If that's Chinese food, I can order delivery. If that's Texas Roadhouse, I can order takeout, even though Texas Roadhouse, which we all love, is terrible on takeout. They give you like a half a fucking roll, and by the time you get home to it, it's fucking cold. It does not heat up right. I fucking hate takeout. I hate it. (laughs) So... (laughs) So... So I'm, I'm going to figure out what she wants and I'm going to try to make it happen for her. I'm going to keep my negative thoughts about it. Even if I think it's pathetic, I'm going to like keep it to myself because I don't want to yuck her yum. But I was just thinking about food there and I was just like, I don't want to eat any of this. I don't want this shit. <sighs> yeah, so that's how I'm at. You know, <laughs> that particular interaction, which led me to stop fucking tweeting. <laughs> like to take a fucking break from the internet. Because... <laughs> I felt, I feel it. I feel the anger rising in me. It reminds me of when the first time I had to go to the hospital. Um, first time I had an infection, they couldn't figure out what the fuck it was. And my mom was there. And my mom's not in, my mom's a great person to have on your side because she gets things done. But I'm telling you, her first reaction when she's scared is anger. And so for me to be like in the yard and they want to admit me and nobody knows what's happening and my mom's asking questions and they're just, I'm like 20 years old. No, I was, I was 18 years old. And they're just, she had to come pick me up from my dorm and I couldn't walk and like I'm just throwing up everywhere and she took me to the doctor and the doctor was like, you have got to, like he called an ambulance and like they're, chucking me like it was just so much shit going on she was really scared and like I said my mom manifests um fear as anger so like especially when we were sick so instead of being like oh you have a fever she'd be like god damn it you have a fever what <sighs> 105 oh my god oh my god uh, what 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 did, you, what did you do to get this I, we, like, she's not comforting in those situations because she's so fucking scared. And so she's acting like that. And I'm scared too, but that's not how I act when I'm scared. At least not at the time, that's not how I acted. And so, like, we're going at it. This was, like, the end of, from about, mm, 12-ish, maybe 13, till about 18, 19 years old is when me and my mom used to fucking go at it. We used to have like knockdown dragon fights. Nobody hit anybody, but I'm, she wanted to hit me. I could tell, <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> I mean, you can't spank a 14 year old. That's a fight, bitch. That's like, if you, <laughs> like, if you want to fight me in the street, <laughs> that's all you can't spank me. We're, we're going to fight each other. The police are going to come. <laughs> So she didn't hit me or anything, but she definitely, like, we would go fucking at it. We couldn't stand each other. We just would get into it, and there was something about each other that used to trigger each other. Like, crazy. That doesn't happen now, and it's mostly because I'm a fucking adult, and I don't live with her. And if she's on my nerves, I just won't call her for the third time today. I'll just talk to her in a couple days, and I'll be fine. Like, it's, it's none of, and she's not in control of anything of mine, and... You know, we, we're in a different relationship now. And so we're very close now, but the time we were not. And this was probably one of the last big, big, big fights we had. So we're in the, the ER. I'm in the hospital bed. They've got me on IVs. She is doing her thing. And I am like yelling at her. And I was like, you get out. 
get out now. I don't want you here. I don't need you here. And she's like, what do you mean you don't want me here? You don't even know what you're doing. I know you think you're grown, but you're not fucking grown. And like, we're going at it. Okay. And I'm like, you're a negative person. <laughs> you're a negative person. And she's like, I'm negative. You're in a hospital bed, bitch. And like, we're going at it. And this, uh, man of the cloth, I don't know, uh, a reverend, a priest, I don't, he wasn't a priest, because priests wear a very specific <laughs> outfit, he was some reverend or pastor or something, kind of just comes into my area, because you're in the ER, remember, we don't have, there's not rooms in the ER, there are more like, um, you know, like curtain thingies, you know, so, I mean, everyone can fucking hear us, and he comes in, and he's like, so ladies, like he starts off to say something like that. And me and my mom both turn to him and are like, get the fuck out. We don't want, we don't bring that Bible in here. Don't come up in here with this Jesus. Like, get out, get out now. You are not, in, like, <laughs> it was so funny later. It was funny later. Um, It was funny later because we were, we were just at each other. And then as soon as he entered the ring, we were like, uh-uh, get out. <laughs> and that's how I felt with that tweet. I was like, listen, I'm, I got it bad right now. Like, I'm not doing anything right. My, I feel like an asshole at my new job, mostly because like, it is the work I should be doing. It really is. I'm very happy with the work. It makes me very happy. But as a former gifted kid, <laughs> the gifted kid military industrial complex <laughs> has taught me that if something's not easy, I don't want to do it. I don't want to be in a stage where I make mistakes. That's a very hard place for me to be. Um, obviously, you can't do anything new without making mistakes. But since I'm in the spot where I'm making mistakes, my self-worth is down the fucking tubes. Okay, and like logically, logically, I know that I need to make mistakes to learn something new and that like making a mistake is not the same as being like a, a worthless person. But like emotionally, that's not how I feel to have like mistake after mistake after mistake and have to constantly be like, I am doing this wrong. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I, it doesn't feel good to me. So I'm already down in the dumps about that. I'm, we're in the middle of a fucking pandemic that I don't think... I'm not sure I'm going to see the end of. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. I hope you all get the vaccine and I hope you guys all live into the... But I don't know what's going to happen with me. I don't know if I'm going to see that day. And, like, just stuff. Just all this stuff. And I can't eat. And because I can't eat, like, my whole... Like, my whole outlook in life is fucked up right now. I'm just not in a space I need to be. Like, I'm in such a bad space that my husband yesterday calls me from work and says, I am really worried about you. And I was like, why are you worried about me? And I mean, I hadn't really done anything but like cuss him out because he was treating me like a secretary. My husband has uh, dyslexia and he's just not very comfortable filling out filling out paperwork and stuff like that so honestly I like I handle all that stuff um there are other things he's good at but he's been working a lot so he hasn't really had time to cook like so I mean he's just been working a ton and he wanted me to do something with his open enrollment for insurance I'm like dude that's not my insurance like 
what do you mean today's the last day? And, and I really cussed him out. And then he called me back a little bit later and said, um, he was really worried about me because he's been noticing like things aren't, you know, per things aren't right over here. And I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't feel great. And he wanted to come home from work because he wanted to, basically he wanted me to rest and he just wanted to come home and like make some things right. You know, I haven't had the energy to clean. Cleaning is hard for me right now. And like being in a dirty space is like fucks me over. I can't like being in this um, office right now, it's not clean in here. And like sitting in this is hard, but like stuff like my laundry's piled up. And I know, I know, I know, I know. As soon as somebody would, were to see my laundry being piled up, it just means that there's a load of laundry that is in a basket that hasn't been folded. But that's piled up to me. And like my room could be cleaner. I don't like, there's just a bunch of shit everywhere. And I feel like I'm behind on the dishes and stuff. And it's like causing me a lot of distress, but I also can't do anything about it. Like I don't. I don't know if that I can do anything about it. Like, I guys, I've been carrying around a check for $200 since September and haven't put it in the bank. And when I tell people that, they go, oh, girl, just um, drop by the bank next time you go. Or, I mean, drop by the bank next time you drive by. Or, um, you know, you can use the app on your phone. Bitch, I know that. But something about me can't bring myself to do it. I don't know why. I really don't know why. It's stuff like that. And so he wanted to come home yesterday early from work to basically to rectify some of these things. I mean, my husband's a clean person. He's not a neat person. And I would say I am more of a neat person rather than a clean person. I don't need to get a toothbrush out and clean the toilet. As long as the toilet is, is you know, mostly clean, I'm good with that. He's someone who like washes baseboards and does things like that. And so to him, having a lot of items on the, on the, on my bedside table is not as big of a deal, but like, it just keeps growing and growing and growing stuff. And so he was going to come home and like, even before the kids got back from school or whatever, and he was going to clean up and he was going to like do a bunch of shit and make dinner and, and just like kind of work on my environment so that I could get a little lift from that and like make sure I ate like he was just gonna come home and take care of me for a little bit and then like somebody at his job their kid tried to kill himself and so he was they were like they had to go off and take care of that because he's like he got admitted to a mental hospital all this stuff happened and so my husband was at work from about 6 a.m. to about 8 p.m. last night because he couldn't leave. And like, so that didn't, ha like, if, and then he had to go into work at 4 a.m. this morning. Well, all I'm saying here is that I'm like, I'm in a tailspin right now. Um, I'm okay, but it's just, it's stuff's happening. And so like, when you're in that space, the last thing you wanna hear is somebody with, I got all the answers. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, princess, you know what? You just do one thing at a time. 
oh, wow, thanks. I appreciate that. Like, this, I'm not in the space for that. Um, that's why I got off the internet, because I was like, uh, I feel like somebody's going to offer me some really trite advice. Like, normally I don't vent like that. On, like, I vent. Man, all I do is fucking complain. <laughs> it's like my essence right there. But, you know, I was in a space where I just, I was just, well, my mom was right. I was a negative person. <laughs> and so I felt very much um, like somebody was going to say something to me that came off as trite and I was going to lose my shit on them. And I could be a very mean person when I'm in the mood for it. And so I was like, before we get there, you know, I already told this lady to fuck off. She's like a little old lady. She, that's why I called her ma'am. <laughs> and she said something about Marion Williamson. I don't fucking know in her bio. I was like, who the fuck is this? Is this somebody's mom? <laughs> who is this? <laughs> and, and I was like, that's as mean as I feel like. It wasn't even that fucking mean by internet standards. <laughs> mean is like going back through your fucking tweets and finding pictures of your kids and, <laughs> and doing a markup on them. That's fucking mean. But... It was as mean as I felt like being that day to anybody besides myself. So, yeah, like, I just, I just, like, put that shit down for the day. So, I want to be clear about some stuff, like, if you guys are looking for something for me in terms of, like, emails, like, you know, there is somebody hounding me about 401 paper, 401k paperwork. And it's, like, 19 pages of paperwork. And they're like, you have to finish this. You have to. You, We need it. We need it within two weeks. I wrote back, I don't know if I am going to be alive in two weeks. I don't know if, like, I am unsure about the future. I don't know if I will live long enough to reap the benefits of this 401k. So you got to calm down. You got to calm down on this. And... You know, I did finish the paperwork eventually, but, like, it's shit like that. Like, everybody expects everything to happen at the same amount of time. But, one, we're all in a pandemic. I don't think I'm the only person feeling down right now. I, I might be the only person that won't cash a check. But I'm going to do it. I really am. I don't go to the bank. I don't even drive by my bank. I don't go anywhere. I need to go grocery shopping for Thanksgiving, and I'm going to try to do that late tonight. But, like... I really don't go anywhere. And like just the idea of me having to pick up my phone and open my bank app seems like too much. But yeah, I just feel, I, I don't want to be mean to people. And but people are looking for stuff from me. Like I got, like I'm my paperwork is always right on my foster, for my foster stuff. And I'm behind on paperwork. And they got some shit going on. I'll talk about it. But, um... It's a lot. That's all I'm saying. It's a lot. And I, w I don't want you guys... I want whatever you expect from me. This is very hard. For somebody who's like a high-performing type of person, people expect a lot from me. I really... And it's fine. That's usually fine. I do get a lot done. I do do a lot. But I need whatever... Wherever the bar is for me right now, I need you to put it on the ground. Put it on the ground. And let's see if I can make it. Because I got nothing. Nothing. At the moment, I am getting the least done that I can. And that is, I fed my kids today. My husband's at work. Like I said, he had to go back and 
because he's covering for the guy with the family crisis, which I think I'm going to text his wife because I really like, they're going through a lot. And I think it's right that my husband fill in for that dude so that he can like handle his shit. And because I think that dude would do the same for my husband. I mean, this is what you do for people that you work with. You cover for them when they need you and vice versa. And but so I've been alone this morning, but I, I fed my kids this morning. Bunny made lunch tomorrow. My nine-year-old's going to make lunch. And what, like, we're going to, we're going to work it out. Stuff is this, stuff is manageable. I will get to the dishes. Laundry can wait. And I'm going to rest today. And that's, and so like, for the most part, I am here. I've just like, I don't have a lot to give. I really don't. And the very little I have to give, I give it to my kids. And that's it. Um... That, that sounded, I'm, I'm sure there are people listening to this going, wow, whoa, 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 wow. But that, but that's honestly what it is right now. Um, in terms of like show business, I do need to let you guys know that I am not going to record next week. My kids are out for Thanksgiving break and I just don't know. I just have to work. We have to make a meal for Thanksgiving. Um, my husband does a good part of Thanksgiving, but. I'm in charge of macaroni and cheese this year. I have to make a, a, what is it called? Sweet potato souffle. I promised I would bake an apple pie. I promised I would do it. So I've got to do that. And there's a couple other little things that I need to, that my part I need to do. And it's just going to be a rough week. I like, this is how I'm going to get through this week with the kids at home and like not feeling my best. I just have to let a lot of shit go. So people are running in the hallways. They don't have to run in the hallways. I'm just going to have to let them run. If people are arguing about something, I'm going to have to let them argue. Um, they're going to have to, and if they just get on my nerves enough, they're just going to have to spend time in their room. Because, like, I have to do the bare fucking minimum. Um, but I can't podcast next week. So you guys aren't going to get your main episode, and, you're, and you Patreon subscribers, love you to death. I'm sorry you're not going to get your bonus episode. It's going to be okay. I might record a Princess Fix My uh, a Princess Diaries episode for the $5 subscribers next week, but I do that because that's going to be an easy thing because I'm just talking about the shit that's going on, and like I'm going to have to stop fostering soon, and I want to talk about like what that means and how... And how, like, it really is, I, it really is going to fuck with my identity and, like, how I'm trying to handle that. It's going to be an easy thing to record. I'll talk about being in the hospital a couple weeks ago and stuff like that. So I might do that and you might get that on Thanksgiving. Maybe help you with your, with your cooking, maybe Wednesday night. And if I, and Kara and I are really thinking about doing like a little bonus episode on a very niche topic that I'm sure none of you will know about. So, and all the Patreon subscribers will get that. But in terms of um, main episode, I really don't, guys, I don't expect much next week. Um, I'm not gonna record next week. And I think that's gonna be okay. Like we all need a break. Everybody needs a rest. We should all be resting more. Um, Rest is required, not deserved. It's a right and that like, like take a rest. I hope you guys aren't traveling for Thanksgiving. I hope you're staying the fucking home. Stay at home, guys. Just stay at home. I know it's hard. Like I would love to sit in a Chili's right now. 
<laughs> I would love to sit in a Chili's, but it's just not the thing to do, you know? We're in a fucking pandemic. And if you guys are in the same place I am, we're like, just the stuff is taking its toll on you. And maybe you have something like me where you also have a couple of external stressors that are just here at the wrong fucking time as opposed to this just sick of being in a fucking pandemic, sick of being at home, sick of all the things that we've lost, sick of the, like, quarter of a million people have died. (laughs) Like, so people are gone. Just tired and, like, it's down on you, I want to encourage you to rest too. Speaking as somebody who doesn't like naps, doesn't like just laying on the couch watching TV, always has uh, like three things she she wants she would like to get done in the next hour. Always speaking as someone like that, I am saying we need to rest. Just stay home. Find a way to make it special. We usually go to a movie on Thanksgiving. I I really hate Thanksgiving holiday. I fucking hate it. And also, let me tell you what else my mother said. My mother who's also going through like a really fucking down moment because my dad's sick and just all this shit's going on. And she's like, so I think we should all Zoom on Thanksgiving and on Christmas. And one, I never see my mother on Thanksgiving and Christmas. I don't live near her. I especially don't see her on Thanksgiving. The only person, only child that does see her on Thanksgiving was my brother who lived in town. Because he would just, after his divorce, he would just show up at our house like a raccoon looking for food. Like, she told me on numerous occasions on Thanksgiving, because my mom doesn't make Thanksgiving meals anymore. She goes to other people's houses usually. Um, Not this year. She's, you know, just making a small meal at home. And her sister, she didn't make a pan of something that for her sister, but she's leaving that on the porch and her sister's going to come pick it up. But my mom usually doesn't eat at home. She eats at her sister's house or a relative. Like she doesn't like what, what are the two of them making Thanksgiving dinner for? And like, she would be in the driveway leaving and my brother would just show up and be like, Oh, it's Thanksgiving. And my mom be like, what the fuck are you doing here? So my, we never see her on holidays. And yet this year she's like, we should zoom on the house. I don't want to. You don't ever see me on Thanksgiving or Christmas. Also, everybody's in different time zone. Like, one of my brothers is in a state whose name I all I never can pronounce. It's the one that has Boston in it. And my mom's in Virginia. So the two of them are in the same time zone. I'm in central time zone. Then I have another brother that's in Germany. I don't know what time zone it is. I went to public schools. And then I have another brother in Korea. I know that time zone is all fucked up because when we text each other, like sometimes I'm texting him and it's morning and it's nowhere near morning where I'm at. So like, how are you going to do this? If you take, and I think that if you text all of us on Thanksgiving, if we all get on Zoom on Thanksgiving, I believe the brother in Korea, it's not going to be Thanksgiving where he is. I don't, I don't know. I really don't fucking know. And, but I don't want to fucking do it. <laughs> I'm probably going to say, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to put Zoom on. I'm going to put the kids on it. And I'll be like, take that to your room. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> but I implore you guys to find a way to make your holiday special somehow. Like I said, we normally go to the movies, but we're going to rent a movie. We're going to buy a movie, a new movie that we haven't seen. We're going to have popcorn and stuff. And then we're going to do Christmas stuff after the second meal of the day. And... Maybe we'll go on a walk. Maybe we're going to find a way to be like, 
to make it work. I implore you to find a way to make it special. And if that is like, if that is all you eat all day is candy, if that's special to you, like figure out a way to make it special and rest. As someone who has often like really not given rest its flowers, you know, really not given rest the, the, the importance I need in my life, I am resting. I want you to rest too. Do not. And next time somebody emails you something tell and says, I need you to get this, blah, blah, blah. Tell them you're in a pandemic. Tell them that we are in a worldwide pandemic and you don't know when it's going to get there. I'm going to be trying to practice that myself. Um, I'm going to be pushing really hard to take care of myself. I have eaten today. And, I've, and I ate yesterday and I'm going to have three meals today, whether I want them or not. Small, because I'm forcing myself to eat them, but I'm going to. I'm going to bed on time and I'm going to fill my time doing things I like to do. And I just implore you to do the same. That is a really weird way to start this fucking podcast. I'm sorry. If this were the old days, I would certainly re-record that. <laughs> but... um. I'm going to leave it as is today. I just want you guys to know where I'm at. And I want you to also like, I want you to know that if you're in a similar space, like not everybody suffers from depression, suffers, God, I don't, not everybody has experiences depression. Okay. But even if you're not, it's quite possible that you're in a similar place due to like this stuff we're all going through at the exact same fucking time and I want you to hear it I want you to know that you're not by yourself you are not alone I'm struggling over here too I don't want you over here thinking I'm just over here juggling shit and having a good time and just you know mopping my floors and enjoying the time with my children and in love with my husband you guys you know Kara told me (laughs) Kara the berry told me (laughs) That she thinks I enjoy being married to my husband. Slander. Slander. (laughs) But I don't want you guys thinking over here, oh, Princess is doing fine. Because I'm not. And I'm just like trying to muddle my way through it like everybody else. And I just want you to know other people are muddling. Okay. Also, if you would like to cry, you should. They've got a few episodes of This Is Us out for this season. Which I... (laughs) I think it's a bad show, but I watch it all the time so that I can cry and pretend like I'm crying over that show. So you just turn that on. There's another show that's real cry fest. Um, I think it's called A Million Little Pieces. Turn that on. They've got like, I think think they're on a third season. Turn that on, watch it, and just cry. And then when somebody asks you what's wrong, you're like, oh, this family's going through so much. You can like, like you're supposed to, and then I bet you're going to feel a little bit better. I bet, I, listen. I've been crying daily. So if you could just like cry a little bit, get that out of your system, have something to eat, do and then do something that you enjoy doing, I think we're going to be okay, all right? You know, we're 35 minutes in. Let's start the fucking podcast. Um, so I believe we're on episode seven. I don't know. I didn't write it down. But it's called It's My Party and I'll Cry If I Want To. Now, as always, they start off your the interview question, and this one's about sex toys. 
And Jill is just embarrassed. She doesn't really say anything. Um, Tracy says sex shops are like so much going on. It really overwhelmed her. Mikey says there's a lot of options and that every time you break up with a girl, you have to throw out all of your old sex toys and start over again. And it's super expensive to change girlfriends. I know that this is a common feeling when it comes to sex toys, right? I rebuke this. <laughs> as someone, as a thrifty shopper, I refuse I refuse, especially if you're changing girlfriends, like, or partners. I mean, you use sex toys with men as well. So whatever partner you have, um, you can use sex toys with anyone, male, female, non-binary. So if you do that, it's so expensive. It's so expensive. Wash them with soapy water or however to your manufacturer's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> directions dry them well put them away they use them again these are not single-use things you they're expensive a lot of them are expensive jesus um nikki says she's very open about sex and that she has a sex drawer with a lot of things in it i believe that i also believe that if nikki were to sit there and tell us what sex toys she had jill would be like i'm out of here um Whitney says she likes strap on sex. She likes to give it. We know Whitney. And Rose says she likes to strap it. She likes to she likes to strap up. She likes to fuck the girl and do all the work. And that's the way she's always been. And I believe that too, Rose. Rose and Whitney um, are both people that give off like like I said, they're they're the more masculine of the bunch. Um and that's not like masculine, like they're like men, but I'm saying that they're giving off masculine energy, which is not the same as saying being like a boy because everybody has masculine and, t- and feminine energy in them. And it's like, you know, we're all, it just depends on the time. It depends on this place. We, we all give, you know, things differently, but they just give a total, they give really masculine energy. And so it makes sense what they're saying there. So let's start with Jill and Nikki are boring of and... Like the boring couple they are, they're doing crossword puzzles. Now listen, <laughs> I love a crossword puzzle, okay? I'm not saying I'm not boring. I'm not on a reality TV show though. If you were to, fo- first of all, I would hate to be on camera all the time. I, um, so somebody's been trying to kill me. <laughs> it's a long fucking story. Someone's been trying to kill me. And I'm going to talk about it in my Princess Diaries episode, but it's just a long, stupid story. And so I was going through my, um, my ring footage to just like see some stuff. And I caught so much footage, so much like night vision footage of me coming in and out. And I'm like, girl, you are ugly. (laughs) When you are looking for your keys, why do you hold your mouth like that? It's just, uh, I'm just imagining what I, I mean, obviously ring camera footage is bad, but I'm just imagining what I look like on reality TV. I would hate it. And also they do a lot of filming me, like organizing stuff, wiping things, looking at K-pop videos on my phone. <laughs> uh, like, like watching Watching like random YouTubers videos, it goes, here's the history of this K-pop band. And like, I was watching one the other day and they were talking about, you know, scandals in K-pop, which is really not scandals, but just 
times when people had something to say about somebody in the band. And, you know, so they're talking about haters and antis and they're like, <laughs> and they're all, a lot of them are, don't show their faces. A lot of them are these disembodied voices that are almost either being read by a computer or, you know, a lot of them don't show faces on there. And so this one was being read by a computer and it was just like, since antis have so much time on their hands because they're unemployed, they made a big deal. <laughs> Shade. <laughs> but anyway, like you get a lot of videos of me just laughing at my phone or tweeting. Like it would be so boring. So like, I just want to be clear about Nikki and Jill. They are boring as fuck. <laughs> that doesn't like, that doesn't translate to real life. I'm sure in real life, they're a lovely couple. I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure they're a little too entwined, but I'm sure that if I knew them, I'd be like, yeah, Jill and Nikki. Yeah, you know, they're fine. They're cool. I go to their Seder, uh, no big deal. And I mean, if I was invited, <laughs> whatever. And, and um, but on reality TV, they are the most boring people on this fucking show. So like I said, they start with their their crosswords because that's the type of people they are. And they're having, the, the this episode centers around the fact that they're having a party. They're having their first Passover Seder as a couple, okay? So, you know. Passover, you have the meal, you, you know, there's some symbolic food there, you tell the story about leaving Egypt, yada, 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 yada. It's the whole thing, okay? But it's essentially a holiday dinner party. I mean, you know, and they're inviting all these people over and it's the first time they're doing it as a couple. You know, it. think of, like, if you lived in the Midwest and it was, and you just gotten married and it was your first Thanksgiving, where, I mean, not this year, stay the fuck home, but it's the first Thanksgiving where you hosted at your house and everyone came to your house. Like, you'd be like freaking out too. You'd be like, oh, I want to make sure that my dining room is a certain way. And like, you know, I have like, I just, I'm having people over and I just want it to be a great meal. So like, I get it. I totally get it. And so Nikki's got her designer friend coming over and she calls him designer Dan. I think his name is Dan, I guess. And he tells her that, he tells her the room is dead. <laughs> the paint's like mud. Her curtains are like old rags, old commoner rags. I think he says shimada. I can't pronounce this word. I can't pronounce. It. I wrote it down, but I can't pronounce it. It's, I believe it's Yiddish. Um, I could be wrong about that though. Don't come for me. <laughs> but old rags and that she needs a new rug. And Jill, like after he comes in and like reads the fuck out of them, Jill is like, these are the nicest walls and the nicest rug I've ever had in my life. So I don't really know. And that's something we need to remember about um, Jill is that Jill is the poor one. And so this is like, this is probably where Nikki lived already. <laughs> and so when uh, designer Dan's give it to her and be like, you can don't tell me these curtains came with the house. I already fucking know. <laughs> and Nikki's kind of laughing at it because she's like, she's ready to be upgraded. Jill's like, I thought these were nice curtains. <laughs> and finally, I relate to Jill because, you know, if I were sitting there, I'd be like, this is the nicest place. How much does this couch cost? $4,000, $5,000? Oh, shit. Maybe I should sit on the floor. Like, that's how I would feel. But, you know, they're going to do some stuff. And <laughs> he's telling them their, their living room needs a chandelier. And, like, I get what he's saying. It has very high ceilings. And there's nothing happening in this space. And so... 
it makes it look like he's he's right. It looks a little dead because you once you get to a certain height, nothing's happening. And so he'd like to add some interest there. And um, so he's saying a chandelier. And she's like, like a glass chandelier? He's like, like a Venetian glass chandelier. And that's what I would have asked designer Dan to leave my house. Because I can't, girl, a Venetian, Venetian glass? Is that from Venice? I can't afford glass from Venice. I don't know what to say. So, but I mean, you know what? Nikki can afford glass from Venice, so more power to her. And so later, we find out that what they really, they're like, okay, the satyrs come, the Passover satyrs come in. And... That means that, like, I mean, we don't have time to redo the whole fucking house. So you can put a chandelier in and you can do, like, get the dining room, like, zhuzhed up, okay? And so he has a chandelier delivered and they're just watching it be be put up there. And, and he says it's a lesbian Liberace and Jill needs a fur coat. And his job is to take Jill out of her comfort zone. And Jill's just like, oh, my God. So, I mean, it is a huge chandelier. I don't think it's as bad as they're making it. It is very big, okay? But I think that once it's in the space and it's been there for a little bit, you're not going to see it anymore. Like when I bought my new couch, I bought a big couch on purpose. And by the way, that fucking couch is comfortable. I've taken a lot of naps on it. Maybe not naps. I hate naps. But more like laying down and resting on it. I can lay there and watch uh, Law and Order Criminal Intent while my toddlers jump on me and the other kids are on the couch too, playing video games or coloring or whatever, or just like we're all together and there's no more of like, okay, there's three people in the living room, that's the max. <laughs> Everybody else gotta find somewhere else to be. So nice. But when I first got it and they brought it in, I was like, that is too big. This And now when I walk past, I'm like, what? It's I got used to it. And I don't think it's too big anymore. And it's super comfy and there's lots of um, pillows and shit. And if you want to see it, I think I took a picture of it. I took pictures of what I was going to in, of what I was looking at on my Instagram. It's, it's okay then princess on Instagram. And so I, but yeah, when at first I was like, this is too big. Cause it's the biggest catch I've ever had in my fucking life. The most expensive as well. And like, I was really precious about it at first. And now I'm not at all. It's a great color for the kids. And it's like I said, it's super comfy. We can like, when I'm lying there reading and they're watching cartoons and like, I got kids laying on top of me and beside me and like, we can just all be together and it's awesome. And it certainly not cost as much as the $5,000 couch I fell in love with on that mommy blog, if you guys remember. But anyway, so I just... I do, it is big, it is elaborate, the, the chandelier they're looking at. But once it's in the space, I think we're gonna be okay. But here's what happens. As they're putting it up, it fucking falls. And breaks, I mean, it's glass, breaks in a million little pieces. And now, they have two different reactions. Jill is scared. Because, I mean, the workmen are still there. This isn't three days later. The workmen are still there. But she's thinking about what if they weren't still there? I mean, honestly, it looks like they were putting it up and it, and, and it just didn't hold and they and it fell right there. It doesn't look like if they had gotten it up, it would have fallen any other time. But still, I I can see myself thinking that too. Like, I don't be walking in my living room. That shit just falls on me. That's, it looks heavy. It's full of glass. Like, <laughs> it'd be like a glass window just falling on you. A pane of glass just falling on you. 
And she's and Jill's like, I don't want to fall on you and me. I don't want to fall on guests. I don't want to fall on the dog. All understandable, Jill. And Nikki's like, no, we need that chandelier. I can't believe this fuck. She, she's more worried about the chandelier. She's calling designer Dan. And designer Dan's like, you know, that could be anything. It could be a faulty one or something. Or like they were putting it in wrong because we've had one installed in the in the showroom for months and months and months and nothing's happened. And Jill's like, I don't care if it was a faulty one. I don't trust it anymore. I don't want that here. And I'm going to win this fight. And Nikki is like, you know, Nikki is kind of going back and forth with her. And he, Nikki's trying to explain to her didn't fall in the, sh- in the, in the showroom. And does Jill think a chandelier maker would make a faulty chandelier? Yes. Yes, people make faulty shit all the time and try to get away with it. <laughs> but I mean, and I don't think, honestly, I think that if the, if the chandelier had fallen on a bunch of people, <laughs> I think we would know by now. That said, I wouldn't trust it either. And this is one of the things that Jill's just not going to let, like, Nikki's not going to win this one. Um, so finally it's Passover and... Um, Designer Dan's over and he's doing stuff to the house and moving things around and he wants to move like furniture pieces and stuff and 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 Nikki's like arguing with him which I don't see the point of because you ask him to come over because he knows better than you do so why are you arguing with him and he once tells her that like the way her the way her uh chairs are set is like a bad waiting room <laughs> And you don't have to be, listen, listen, designer Dan, you don't have to do all that. <laughs> You're being kind of mean, but I mean, they kind of enjoy it. And so anyway, so, I mean, he really has judged up the place. Um, you know, Jill says it looks like the Ritz in there and it does look a lot. Look, that's not my style, to be honest. I like things that look lived in. I like things that look welcoming. Like when I was looking for a new dining room table and a new couch, I really was looking for something that that I didn't have to, I didn't want to be one of those people that's always like, don't mess up the couch. <laughs> don't spill on the dining room table because our dining room table is where we do our crafts and shit. And so I don't want to be like, oh, we can't do Play-Doh today because I'm afraid something's going to happen. Today. I don't, that's not my style. But Nikki and Jill don't have five children <laughs> and their style's a little different and it's a little more elaborate. Um, I'm not saying it looked bad. It didn't look bad at all. It just looked definitely like a place where I'd be like, okay, princess, be careful when you're walking in here and put your hands like, I'd be afraid to make a mistake and break something. And as a clumsy person, I just really can't have all that stress in my life. So, (laughs) so yeah, they, they have the Seder and it's beautiful and they feel, and like, I'm happy for them. Like they're starting their family. This is like a part of it. Um, making your own family traditions. Like this year, we're ha- like we've decided that a new family tradition for us is that we're gonna have oxtails on Christmas. We love oxtails; they're kind of expensive for a family of seven. <laughs> My husband, like, I love them. I love the gravy. I love the black beans he makes and the rice. It is so fucking good. And so we decided that, and we're not big into turkey, so we're not gonna have turkey on Thanksgiving and a month later have turkey on Christmas. We're not doing that. And I don't know why we didn't decide this sooner because we all hate it. Let's, let's eat something we don't always get to eat that's like special to us. And also my husband doesn't know what to do with himself on Christmas. So like, 
Like I'll be heading up the toy celebration and then he can start making out. Like we'll have a, we'll have a good time like that. And that's part of being a family is making your own family traditions. Um, little things that you guys do together because it means something to you. My kids love oxtails. Um, and so, yeah. And, you know, they start to have their first Seder together. And maybe, I mean, their first Passover Seder. Excuse me. I keep saying just Seder. But this is a, not just a Seder. It is a Passover Seder. And, you know, it's a holiday. And, um, yeah, yeah. I'm so... I'm excited for them. They're they're doing something. It's it's the reason it's so boring is because they interspersed it with the rest of the shit that everybody else was doing. <laughs> so let's talk about Mikey. Mikey, Fashion Week is upon us. She is like very close to it. And she's stressed the fuck out. Um, just a lot of stuff, like little with any event, shit goes wrong. Shit goes wrong at the end. That's just how it goes. And you know, the this will bring you back to the Kelly Catron of it all. The RSVP list. Who RSVP'd? Who celebrities? And like the, the, what is it? The seating chart is really important because everybody wants to be happy and there is a, and it's it's really about who's the most important. And obviously we can figure out who's the most important here, right? But... You want people to be in a spot where they feel important enough, but it's also not so high of a place that somebody else might get upset. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a very delicate balance about sitting people. I mean, I guess I guess it would be like trying to see the wedding. <laughs> like, you know, so it's a lot of drama in that and a lot of RSVP stuff back. And Mikey's getting like, like off the chart and... There's someone named Brian giving her drama about whether, well, here's the first thing before we get there. Uh, the interns behind on the, the RSVPs. And then there's also something to do with hangers and like shit like that. And I'm thinking to myself, I understand Mikey. I get it. As someone who likes things the way they fucking like them. I've also trained myself to do things the way I like them and not expect other people to do them. And that means I do too much sometimes, but I'm never like standing somewhere screaming at someone about hangers because I always remind they don't fucking know this is how you like the hangers. Okay. So you either tell them that or you do the hangers, one of the two. And so I'm just thinking like, wouldn't it, wouldn't it have been like a better use of your time to talk about your hanger preferences and maybe how you expect RSVPs to go and things like that rather than what constitutes lesbian sex? This isn't like, like all these little cute little conversations. You're, this is what I, the problem I have with Jeff Lewis, the problem I have with Bethany, the problem I have with a lot of fuck, even Kelly Catrone, the problem I have is that you spend a lot of time kikiing, okay? You spend a lot of time over here having unnecessary conversations. And I understand you're on a reality TV show, so you're trying to entertain me. I get it. I get that it would be boring for me to sit here and watch you type all day. I get that. But take the cameras out of it. It makes more sense for you to spend time talking about and as someone who directs a lot of children, right? So I'm teaching them how to do things. A lot of times I need to I need to I need to share with them why we do these things. That helps them remember better. 
to say, hey, the reason I have you separate your clothes in your drawers is so it'll be easier for you to find it. So when I say, hey, can you get shorts and a t-shirt? You know, shorts are here, t-shirts are here. And it's easy for you to pull out and you can spend more time picking what you want as opposed to going around being like, I don't know, I don't know where the shorts are. And then you have to pick the first shorts that you see. And like, it's, it's a lot of drama. But if we, when we put away the clothes or when you're folding your clothes, cause I have them fold their own clothes now. When you fold your clothes, and you put them away, if you put them where they belong, it's easier. This is really about you. I want you to have more time and I want you to be less stressed out. And I don't wanna have to fuss at you, right? Cause that's not fun. Like these are the conversations I have when I'm teaching them how to do things because it's more likely to happen, right? But I do have to spend the time doing that instead of wandering around later going, why the fuck are these drawers like this? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Well, they didn't do it because I spent 10% of the time explaining the way the drawers should be and 90% of the time kikiing about shit that don't have shit to do with what we're talking about. And my example isn't that great because I'm talking about my children and that like uh, my children and, and we have a personal relationship, right? You guys are at work. This is what I'm talking about. If you had, I don't know, a manual that just said, this is how I like hangers. That if somebody was like, if, if somebody, if you were like, hey, I need you to handle all these fucking hangers, whatever the fuck they were doing with it. And and you could say, hey, uh, I think I talked to you about this, but if you don't, if you go to the part in the manual that says hangers, you'll see how the hangers need to be. This is what I'm talking about. <laughs> I know a lot of people are like, Princess, that's too much. I know, but as a, again, I started a new job and it's really hard for me. Originally, the department only had one person and they kind of just did what the fuck they wanted. And now it's got a lot of people in it, including me, that are, we're all brand new to it. And so like, I feel like the floor is shifting under my feet a lot of times. Cause I'll be like, hey, so you want me to do this? And so I'm doing blah, 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 blah. And this and this and that. And how did you do that? Oh, you know, I just thought about it. And no, 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 what's the process? How, what did you look first? What'd you do after that? What'd you do third, fourth? And how did you end it? I need that, I need the process. I don't. You can't give me some ethereal direction. Just look into your heart. You can't give me that shit. I want to know how to do this. So we do it correctly. And so that I do it this way and that the other person does it this way and you do it this way. And so it doesn't matter who did it. It's all done correctly. Whatever. <laughs> I'm crazy. I'm crazy. I keep getting blank stares. I'm crazy. But I do believe that Mikey wouldn't have to have these, these blowups write this, this is a very stressful situation. And like, I'm maybe I'm a lot more delicate than I think I am, but I just don't wanna be in, in a situation where I have to blow up like that. I don't, I don't wanna be angry. I don't wanna, I don't want to be angry at the people that work for me. I don't want them to have a bad day at work because I'm over here yelling about fucking hangers. I wanna be like, let's avoid all this and let's put processes in place to avoid this. It's people and then processes. That's whatever. <laughs> so, so there's a guy named Brian that is really giving Mikey the business about Mira Sorvino, which is a blast from the past. You know, she doesn't really have a career because of Harvey Weinstein, um, who, by the way, is probably going to die in prison from COVID. Good. Good. I don't, I don't, people are like, well, you need to have compassion. Well, I don't, I don't, I, I have a hard time having compassion for people who aren't sorry. I have a hard time forgiving people who aren't sorry. So 
go ahead and die in prison. It's fine. But she doesn't have a career because of all that shit that happened with Harvey Weinstein. Um, and like, but like just thinking, like hearing that name was like, damn, Mira Sorvino. And so, uh, Mira Sorvino is not, Sorvino is not on the, R, the celebrity RSP, RSVP list. And I'm assuming Brian's like a PR person, like her PR person, maybe a PR person for, a, for a number of people who's trying to make sure their, their clients are where they're supposed to be at the, you know, at the fashion week event. And, you know, there's been some miscommunication by email, which is understandable. I hate that too. When you, you're yelling at me or giving, or like just really talking to me sternly, giving me hard conversation about something that you never emailed me about. So how the fuck would I know? And like the intern is behind on RSVP, sure. But I'm sure there's a thousand, there's like tons coming in. And um, Mikey just blows up and is like, email him every conversation we ever had. And I'm like, I get it. I want to do that too. I, I can be a bitch over email. I can uh, be a see attached type person. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't say anything else in the email except for see attached. And it's, a it's the email you sent me where you was wrong. And I was right. I can be like that too, but it doesn't get us anywhere. And Mikey, you are in charge of this. You're like, she says, when she comes in, I'm the boss and everyone else is an employee and I'm working too hard. And it feels like they're not working as hard It's because you have not empowered them to, you didn't give them information and you are doing things like focusing on something like this, where you want to yell at Brian when you have so much to do. So me, I don't really care how she didn't get up on the RSVP list. I'll get her on there. I'll get her on there. And maybe I'll mention, I'll be like, Brian, I don't have any emails from you, but I'll handle it because I'm good at what I fucking do. Maybe not fucking. Maybe that, I don't say that in office settings, in professional settings, but I'm good at what I do, so I got you. Or it could be Brian mailed, emailed somebody else. E, Brian, it could be anything, but like all of this isn't gonna do anything. We're not gonna get where we wanna be like this. I would tell Brian on the phone, I'd be like, Brian, you got to calm down because I am not somebody who does well with people fussing at me. I just don't. But I see the, I, the problem is she's not on the RSVP list. She's on the RSVP list now. You need anything else? Okay. Then, and, that, and then we're done with that and we move on. Um, getting drawn to that is not going to help. But, and she's screaming at the intern. I'm just like, oh my God. Now, Mikey and Raquel, who I almost named forgot because I feel like I haven't spoken about Raquel in a while, are spending time together before Fashion Week starts. They're having one last date night and Mikey's head is not into it. Raquel is talk, 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 talking. And Mikey is like looking into the air. <laughs> Mikey's head isn't there. Raquel in a talking head says that it's really hard when you have jobs like this because it's not a nine to five. It's not a like flip a switch and I'm off like that. It's not, it's really hard to be there. Um, it really is when things are going rough at your job, things are going to be rough in your personal life, um, with your work. And it's partly because Mikey works for herself. It's partly because Mikey's in an industry where people identify with their job titles. Like that's a part, like you work all day and then you go out to promote, like to network, like this is, this is what the industry is like. And Mikey in a talking head says that it always feels like she 
either has her work or her relationship that if she concentrates on her work her relationship fails if she concentrates on the relationship her work fails and she doesn't want to lose any of those things and i i can understand that um so next let's talk about rose rose went to see her grandma her grandma has raised her since she was a baby but she officially moved in her grandma when she was 11. so up until that point Rose was living with her mother. Now, Ro- the way Rose talks about it is that her grandmother was her real mother, all raised her and was her real mother all the time. And I get that. I can understand that your grandmother was your center. She was your stability. She was someone who you really looked up to and cared for. But you spent 11 years living with your mother. <laughs> and the way you've talked about it before made it seem like you maybe spent six months or a year living with her. And that's not true. The connection between Rose and her mother is stronger than I initially thought. Um, again, I'm, I mentioned talking about them being like more like sisters rather than mother and daughter. And I understand that. Um, I don't know. Just information like adds a little more texture to the story, you know. So when she was 11, she officially went to live with her grandmother. And, you know, she's talking about her mother with her grandmother and some elder relatives come and they're just talking about you know what's going on and her grandmother says her and her mother are too much alike i can think about being in the grandmother's place you love your daughter okay regardless of what mistakes she's made regardless of whether she's done what she's supposed to do or you love your daughter you love your granddaughter in fact you've been a second and even first mother to her sometimes and you get it and i wouldn't be surprised if rose's mother has some substance abuse issues um, some uh, issues with the law, things like I wouldn't be surprised if things like that or were not a part of Rose's mother's history. And so you love both of these people very much and nothing's gonna ever make you stop loving your daughter, but they're in conflict together. And so what you want is for them, if it were me, I wouldn't want them to like, I wouldn't care about them completely making up because their relationship is their relationship. But I want them to get to a point in their relationship where they can be in the same room and I can have my family together. That I'm not saying, should I invite my daughter or my granddaughter places? Should I, you know, that's what I'd say. Um, You know, her mother, her grandmother says that her and her mother are very much alike. And Rose also opened up about some other things that have been going on, like, that ex-girlfriend that she had to get a restraining order against that was super hot, but they just had a toxic relationship. Her mother calls her all the time. She, they must have been together for some for a good m- moment of time. Her mother calls her all the time and brings drama with that. And just like, I get Rose setting a boundary, but here's something that someone said earlier today when I was watching. I was watching Total Bellas. Again, I almost did a bonus episode. And I really like Total, uh, the, I really like reality shows involved being the Bella Twins, which are, they're from wrestling. And this is how I got into wrestling, right? When, when I'm talking about Hulk on the, um, on the bonus episodes, the only reason I know as much about what goes on behind the scenes is because I started watching a show called Total Divas. And I didn't know who the Bella Twins were before that. And I kind of got into them and I got into the Divas part and like the, all these sports entertainers that these women, they're all like crazy fucking bodies 
beautiful girls who like throw themselves on top of each other in a ring and pretend to beat each other up. And I just really enjoyed like that dynamic and I, and I really enjoyed finding out like, oh, that's how you do it. Oh, you have to, you have to get permission to get your gear. Like you can't, like if your gear is lime green and you want to make it a different, like you need to go through some levels of approval for that. Like I didn't know any of that stuff. It was really interesting. And so that's how I started like even knowing who the Bella Twins were, Nikki and Brie. Then they had a spinoff show <laughs> called Total Bellas. And it was just like, I don't know, their, their family's interesting to me. Um, it is definitely a tardy for the party type show in that um, I want to say a good 10% is, is very real. And you know what? I'll even give them, I'll say 20% is very real. And a lot of it's fluff and a lot of it's like, you know, Kardashians, Kardashians, let's play a joke on Chris, like that type of shit. <laughs> but, and it's on E, so that'll tell you what kind of reality TV shows it is. But it is entertaining to me. Much like uh, The Miz and Mrs., right? That's on VH1, I think. But, and that's another wrestling couple. Um, Mike the Miz, who I remember from Real World. I remember him finding out about black people in the real world. And Maurice and his wife, um, who's, who's French. And anytime she says anything wrong, she says, oh, it's French. <laughs> and it's a type of show you can watch and not worry too much about. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can miss like three episodes. You just pop in. They're doing the same shit. You don't have to like think too hard about what's going to happen. You don't have to be like... What if I miss the third part? No, you could just turn this off and go grocery shopping and come back. You'll pick it up whenever you pick it up. It's a very like easy show to watch. Um, but anyway, I was watching Total Bellas and they were having a video conference with, um, she called herself a relationship coach. I'm sure she's a therapist. <laughs> and she said something about boundaries that I was like, oh, that's good. I need to remember that. And in fact, one of the twins was like, let me write that down. And I was like, yeah, I should write it down too. She said, people think of boundaries wrong all the time. They think boundaries are you telling someone what to do. That you say, if you better do this. But that's not what a boundary is. A boundary is about yourself. A boundary is you saying, when this happens, I'm going to do this. And when you talk to people like that, that's a different way of saying, you better stop. Don't do that again. I don't, I, girl, you're never going to see me again. Like, that's very different. And I was talking to my son the other day because he's been having like little meltdowns. He's crying a lot. Um, we're going to talk to his doctor about it, but he's just crying a lot. Like smallest things can set him off and he'll just cry. He'll cry for a very long time. And I told him that I don't like, I mean, we really got into it a couple of weeks ago and yesterday we were about to get in it too, but I like kind of breathed, like took a breath and I was like, listen, Mommy's not in a good place right now. There's a lot of shit going on with her. And I am trying very hard to con communicate with you in a way and not like take all that stuff that's on me and like throw it at you. I don't want to do that. But I'm telling you now that when you have these little meltdowns where you're doing all the crying, I mean, when he cries, tears everywhere, snot everywhere <laughs> for hours, <laughs> I'm like, that is frustrating to me because it's not going to fix anything. So what I want to do is like, I'm not going to take your feelings from me. If you're upset, you're upset. And it's not wrong that you're upset. But I am going to say that I don't want to be around that because it's not productive. I can help you with things. I can talk to you about things. But you just 
laying on the floor letting snot drip all over you because somebody used your first and middle name is I, I don't know what to do with that. And so what I'm going to do is when that happens, when you're in that place where you where you can't be calm and you're and you're having your little and you're crying a lot and you're feeling very so bad that you got to cry like that, I'm going to ask you to go do that in your room. You can do you're not in trouble. You, nobody's telling you you can't come out of your room. You can come on back out. But I want you, when you feel that way, to spend some time. I just don't want to be around it. And that's not exactly what the lady was saying with the boundary. Because, I mean, I'm his mother. So I get to get, I get to tell him shit to do. But essentially what I'm saying is that I don't want to be in that space with him. And we're, you know, talking to his therapist. We'll talk to his doctor. We'll, we'll get there. But for now, that's a way that, that I'm not going to get big angry you don't have to feel like I'm yelling at you. You don't have to. We're going to take some space from each other when that's happening. When you're, when it's over, come on back out. We'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. Like I said, it's not exactly what the lady said. But in terms of boundaries, what you, you just tell someone what you're comfortable with and what you're going to do when you're not uncomfortable. And they can do whatever they want. Because, right, because we can't control other people. And the reason I'm talking about this is I'm talking about Rose. Like, I understand where Rose is coming from. Her mother's more like a sister. She never felt like a mother to her. She didn't take care of her the way, like her grandmother's love felt like mother to her, not her mother's. And that even now she's an adult, she's got all these, her mom's creating drama and shit in places and she doesn't feel great about it. And, and she's like, I do not want you to create drama for me. So like Rose just doesn't want to be around her. I just think that like, realistically as much is as 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 much as rose time as rose spends with her family and i'm assuming rose's mother spends with her family it's not realistically you're not going to be apart from each other forever and there are some relatives i can never see again like i don't have a problem cutting anybody off but if logistically there's just no way for me not to be apart from you because of either the way our family's set up or the way our schedules are set up or whatever, then we do have to come to some kind of like compromise. Whether it's surface, keep it fucking surface or, you know, something. And because grandma has been going through a lot of stuff and health problems, Rose is considering it. Because she really wants her grandmother not to have the stress on her. So the next scene we see is Rose talking to her dad on the phone because, and again, I don't think, I think this is, I believe this grandmother is Rose's maternal grandmother, not her paternal. So I don't think her dad is related to her grandmother. They just, you know, were family through Rose. So, but she's talking to her dad and she's telling her, and it's probably why she's telling him, not another family member, that um, Rose's grandmother lives with like her uncle or whatever, um, Rose's uncle, like one of, grandmother lives with one of her sons. And she was having pain and the pain was so hard, like coming and she couldn't even walk that they had to call an ambulance. So Rose's grandmother's in the hospital and Rose goes to the hospital to see her. Um, and you know, Natalie's already saying to us in the, the confessional that when Rose is going through a lot, she goes inward which is relatable. It's not always healthy, Rose, but I, I see where you're coming from. It doesn't, like me, like even the start of this podcast, I don't feel great about that. I really want to go back and delete that. I do not feel good about like being like, everything's terrible. <laughs> like it actually makes me feel worse, but 
so when things are bad, I really just get quiet. And I don't want to talk about things a lot. But the problem is that you're there with Natalie Rose. And it's hard to be around someone like that. Um, and they're picking at each other on the way to the hospital and stuff. And, you know, Rose says she lost it when she saw her grandmother in the hospital. It was very emotional for her. Think about... I don't know, when you see somebody that you really care about, that's some that's a big part of your life in a hospital bed and they seem small and they seem fragile. Like I, yeah, she lost it. And she's calling, she's even calling the hospital to be like, my. I just visited my grandmother there. She likes to, she's saying she's stubborn and she wants to go to the bathroom by herself and like give them a heads up that she cannot go to the bathroom by herself. And they're like, yeah, we're going to, we told her not to, and she's got to hit this button and we'll just come. Like she's very concerned about her grandmother. But here's the other thing tonight. Rose has to go to this party and it's a promoted party and she's, her friend is promoting it. And Rose has promised, has promised she's going to go. She's talking to Nat and she says, I don't care if it's 10 people or a thousand people. And I, so the way she's saying that is more like, like Rose is a part of the promotion. Like Rose is supposed to be there. Rose is part of putting on this party. And so like me, I wouldn't have gone. I would have been like, I can't, I'm in a bad space. My grandmother's in the hospital. You know, she's like a mother to me. That's like my mother being in the hospital. And I cannot like, like I'm gonna come out with a stank face. So I can't do all that. And, but I guess Rose is promised and she cannot. So they're going. But the thing is, Rose is in, a really bad mood. She's being a bitch to Natalie. Like Natalie is getting ready like Rose is and like asking questions and like just trying to, you know, Natalie's someone who looks for validation and like really like ask a lot of questions from Rose and like, it's like, should we do this? What about this? Blah, blah, blah. And Rose is like, I don't give a fuck about that. But like Rose, you are getting ready for this party with her and she is asking real like questions she would normally ask. I don't know why you are holding that against her. I don't know why you have to talk to her like that. You 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 could say, which is something I would say, is that I don't really have it in me to talk right now. Um, I just, I, I, I have to go to this, but I don't want to. And I don't really care about what's going to happen there. So I just want to get, do the minimum and get there and put in my time and leave. So like, I can't, I don't have the bandwidth to talk about this other stuff right now, Natalie, which I think Natalie would have taken a little better, but I don't know. I mean, the first time she snapped at me, I would have stopped talking to her because maybe I wouldn't have argued with her, but I would have stopped talking to her because I would have been like, as Natalie said, she's in a bad space and I just don't want to fight with her. So I would have just been like, okay, let me take a step back from her. <laughs> um, Natalie's says that when Rose is upset, Rose hits her where it hurts and it's usually her ex because they had such a passionate relationship she was super hot and and apparently she was really entwined with her family and so things are happening like rose's ex is texting her because her mother has texted rose's ex about it and even though the ex is real crazy apparently and like like i need a restraining order against you crazy uh rose is feeling like she's giving her more comfort than natalie is at the time so they're going out, they're, they're getting there, Ro they're in the car, Rose and Allie are fucking fighting. Um, just It just got to the point where Rose had picked at her too much and Natalie was like, why are you acting like this? 
and Rose is telling her to shut up and all this shit. And finally, Natalie is like, you're not my mother. Do not talk to me like that. Because Rose does talk to her like, like if Natalie doesn't do what she tells her to do, she's going to be grounded. And, you know, um, Rose is saying that, that Natalie, what did she say? Well, she said Natalie's heartless because she knows what she's going through. I'm like, I don't know if Natalie's heartless. You are like throwing daggers at her. Like, It'd be another thing if you were really sad and stuff and Natalie was was fighting with you, but that's not what's happening. You are pissed and you've got this, I don't give a fuck, tone in your voice and stuff. And you guys are fight, actively fighting together. It's not Natalie palling on you. And Natalie tells her she's a total asshole. And even when they get to the, um, to the valet for the club, like Natalie's out there waiting for her and Rose is like, don't wait for me, just go in and... Natalie's like, no, I'm waiting for you. And Rose is like, I wouldn't wait for you. And Natalie's like, of course you wouldn't. And <laughs> I mean, they're just really mean to each other. Like inside the club, Natalie is not really, Rose and Natalie are not around each other. Natalie's sister is DJing. So Natalie's down there with her sister. And Rose is just wandering around telling people she's single and taking shots. And her ex is still texting her. And Rose says, Natalie doesn't take her feelings into consideration. And then Rose dips Rose leaves and doesn't even tell Natalie. One of Rose's friends has to tell Natalie that Rose is gone. And where does she go? To her ex, apparently. I mean, where else would you? That's what it, That's what it's all building up to. Like, I would be livid if I were somewhere with my husband. Now, me and my husband are married and we've been together more than seven months, okay? But I would be so fucking mad if... She, I live with you. I'm in a committed relationship with you and we go somewhere together and you just leave and strand me there. You better not be at the house when I get there. You better not. If somebody's going to call the police on us tonight, this will be the night because I will have a hard time managing my anger. I'm not saying I'll go there and beat up Rose. I'm not saying that. Get not a domestic violence person, but I am saying that we would be fighting, fighting. Like at the end of that fight, no, one of us wouldn't live here. And I guess it would be me because it ain't my place, but I would get my shit and go. There is no fucking way that you would do some shit like that to me. And then like, so by the time she gets home, like she can't even get into the house because she doesn't have her key. Now she says that She's all peeping in the windows and shit and her going out clothes. And you guys know, going out clothes do not look right in any other situation. When you got your going out club clothes on, a lot of times you're not dressed. <laughs> you know what I mean. You, your body is not all the way dressed. <laughs> and, and you're just peeping in windows and shit. I would be like, who the fuck? I was in there, be like, who the fuck is that? Why is this sex worker peeping in the windows? <laughs> She did look good. Natalie's beautiful, but she looks also pathetic. She didn't have her key. I guess she, I don't know. Why didn't you take your keys? Is your purse not big enough? Always have a purse big enough for your fucking keys, bitch. Always. Because you don't know what the fuck's going to happen. And you see, that's the difference between me and Natalie. I would have been pissed Rose left me, but I wouldn't have been surprised. I would have been like, no, people leave. And so, okay, that's why I got my own keys. And I got my own money. And so... 
Rose isn't even answering the phone. So she has to go home with her friends. And, you know, so the friends are like, obviously her friends know what's going down because they're like, she left you? <laughs> and you can't get in the house? And they take her home with them. And she's like, you guys always see the worst of us. She's pretty drunk. And I'm like, if your friends only see the worst of you, bad, bad news. Bad fucking news. Because that means anytime you're around other people, shit starts. And they're just like telling her, her sister's there at this point, and they're just like telling her, like, this is not how people act. This is this is disrespectful. And Natalie's like, I don't know. And they said something about her ex, and she's like, why are you guys bring up the ex? And another friend, and like that's sitting in a chair, is like, girl, because that's where she went. <laughs> they said it like, bitch, you drunk? She's with her ex. And listen, I agree. <laughs> I think she's with her ex. <laughs> Natalie starts crying and shit. She's just drunk and sad and crying. And her friends are all holding her like, girl, you got to leave this relationship. And she does. They need to stop. And if I, like, Rose even needs, knows they need to stop. So, like, at one point, they're in the talking head. Natalie says Rose believes in revenge, I think. And I was like, you think? Rose definitely believes that she's going to punish you and reward you for your behavior. Like you're a child or a dog she's training. And that, but even you, but like, you wouldn't leave your dog at the dog park if you took him there, right? Like you took him there. Even if you were mad at them, you wouldn't be like, you know what? Find your own way home and drive off. That's not how it works. You don't leave people like that. That is a, that is I, I don't know. Maybe that's hitting one of my triggers, but do not fucking leave me. And if we get into a fight and you say I'm going home and I'm like, I'm not going home with you, that's a whole different way. We're, we're, we're arguing and stuff, but I haven't even seen you and you just dry the fuck off. Girl, never. Um, so let's talk about Tracy. You know, in the previous lease, I must have missed last week where Tracy was asking her sister how long she would wait if her mom didn't approve of her boyfriend. I'm going to tell you how long I would wait if my mom didn't approve of my boyfriend. Zero seconds. My mom's not, the mom's not fucking him. And if my mom didn't approve of a girlfriend, I'm fortunate in that my parents have stayed out of my love life to the most part of it. They really have. And I don't talk a lot about my love life with them either. But they just, all they care about is me being happy. All they care about is how I feel. And if I'm happy, they're fucking happy. And they don't, they never pressured me to get married. They never pressured me to have kids. They never did any of that shit. They were never like, so when you gotta get me, they're just like, okay. So that's what you're doing with your life. All right. If you like it, I love it. <laughs> Which is a black person's way to tell you that they neither like it nor love it. But seriously, my parents were like very much, I don't give a fuck what you're doing as long as you're happy. That's all I really care about. So, uh, I can't imagine, like, like, why do they have to like the person I'm fucking? Why? I can see if, like, they see some red flags, and I hope I'm this type of parent. We'll see. Where I'm just like, hey, you know, I don't like the way that this person talks to you. And I really would prefer they talk to you in a better way, or I don't like this. But, you know, be careful with that. And, like, let them, let shit play out the way it plays out. And just be an I'll always be a supportive person there. I hope I'm that type of parent. But the you need to stop 
seeing so-and-so. I think that's really rude, especially for a 30-year-old woman. It's really none of your fucking business. Um, so in this episode, uh, Tracy's going to get a psychic reading from Stamy Psychic. This is probably why I'm attracted to Stamy. I didn't realize it. Maybe I didn't remember this part, but Stamy's got a psychic. She's my type of girl. Stamy has used the psychic for years. Tracy's skeptical, but I mean, honestly, so was I. She started singing, girl, she sounded like she was singing the Lion King song. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Ah, uh, sway. <laughs> and then she started like whimpering. I don't know. <laughs> I would have went home. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't be up. That's scary. I don't want that. <laughs> It's not like, you know, like sometimes in acting classes, they're like, do vocal exercises. It's not like that. It was too much. Well, the psychic tells her that her mother has a lot going on. She needs to do something about her problems for the next five months or she'll be in trouble. I'm like, great. Awesome. (laughs) So Tracy's very concerned about her mom because of what the psychic said. Like, I would love to see a psychic. You know why I like psychics and and astrology? I said astrology. (laughs) That's a study of Australia. (laughs) You know why I like it? Because they're talking about me. <laughs> so I'd love to go to a psychic and then be like, so let me tell you about yourself. I'm like, absolutely. Talk about me to me. <laughs> so her talking about her mother, I was like, okay, well, what are you going to talk about me? But anyway, Tracy's very, and I also like take these things with a grain of salt. Okay. I would never have gone to the psychic and then been like, oh God, I got to talk to my mom. Got to. She needs to get this done within the next five months. They gave us a timeline. <laughs> but, so... Tracy ends up calling her mom and invites her out, invites her out to visit to California from New Jersey for her 30th birthday. All three of um, her mother's children live in LA and the mother just got divorced. I feel like the mother should move out to LA. <laughs> I do. I mean, maybe, maybe I feel like she should. <laughs> You're very close. All your kids live here. Come move. Um, but anyway, um, she tells her mom that she wants her to come out and visit and she, and that makes sense. It's, it's Tracy's 30th birthday and Tracy's the oldest and the sisters are all out here. Yeah. Come visit at least. And then she tells her she wants her to meet Stamy. And the mom is like, well, I don't know about all that. Let's talk. Let's think about that. And they have a little convo where Tracy's mom insinuates that Tracy might be confused in going through a stage. Now, first of all, that is fucking disrespectful. The word confused is disrespectful. Like, sure, people go through phases, people try things, they don't like things, they move on, that things change, okay? But telling someone that they're confused implies that they don't know what the fuck is going on and she just fell into some pussy and that is incredibly i just find it so disrespectful i really do to be speaking to this almost 30 year old woman saying well maybe you're confused what i i probably would have blown up on one of that and also here's the deal you were married to tracy's mom for i'm assuming over 30 years and it didn't last it's over now i mean tracy's dad it's over now but would we have said well you were just in a stage you were confused no no you would be her her mother would be very upset about someone being like oh that whole life you had was was a stage when you were confused 
I don't know. I, I, I did not like that at all. I didn't like it. But Tracy like took it. I, I, I guess it's not the first time she heard it. Cause she was like, no, if this was, if I were like, if this was, if I was just trying out something, this was a stage, I'd be the first to admit it. I'm like, you, it doesn't matter. First of all, how long you're with Stamey doesn't matter. You're with Stamey right now and you're enjoying it. And you want to be able to share all of your life with your mother. And if tomorrow you go marry some man, she's still wrong for not supporting your life and communicating with you during this time when you were with Stamey. She's still wrong for it. I, it really, it really pissed me off. Um, Tracy says she's been respectful for of her mother. Now it's time for her mother to be respectful for her. And I agree. Like, this is your daughter. She's grown. And you're not being very respectful of her. Uh, Tracy's mom just got a divorce. If Tracy's mom started dating some man and Tracy, and maybe Tracy's a little butthurt over it because her family disintegrated five years ago and it's been drama since. And... And you refuse to, and Tracy refused to, to allow the man to come to family dinners and, and like cropped him out of pictures and shit like that. That would be disrespectful. I, and I don't think Tracy would ever do that. I don't, I, Tracy doesn't seem like a disrespectful person. I mean, we know she's boring, but, <laughs> but she doesn't seem like a disrespectful person. They leave it off that conversation where the mom asked Tracy to sit in her shoes. And I was like, I've been sitting in your shoes for five years and that's why I've been working real slow. But we're going to put on my shoes now. And you've got to show me some respect. Tracy's sure her mom's going to love Stamie because Stamie and her are at the beach and she's just there talking. I think she's going to like Stamie too. I think for a lot of people, things in theory are very different than things in practice. So hearing about Stamie and her kids and all that from afar is very different from meeting Stamie and enjoying some time with them. I think that's very important that she meets them. Um, Stamie agrees. Um, I think, I also think, hear me out here. I think Tracy's mom's focusing on sex. That's what she's focusing on. Like the sexual relationship between Stamie and Tracy. Stamie's not a sexual person. She doesn't come off as like, sexy and like that's what she's gonna be she's gonna be cracking jokes and running around with the kids and putting little babies in the mom's arm she's gonna be doing that and i think that once tracy's mom can get away from who has what body parts and what they do with it what she's gonna see is that stamie and tracy care about each other love each other even and that they have a life together and once she sees that life is is a nice life, right? Once it's normalized for her. I was going to say once once she says that, once she sees it, once she realizes it's normal. because, But it is normal, right? It's a normal life. It's the type of life anybody has regardless of what sex their partner is. Is that like, you know, we go out, we go to dinner. They have kids, so we hang out with the kids. You know, we do stuff like that. <laughs> we go to the beach sometimes with the dogs. Like, you know, <laughs> this is anybody's life with a partner and that, that's in the same sort of in type of relationship that they're in. Once she has that normalized for her, then it's not going to be so much push and pull. I really think so. I really think 
Like, Stamey and Tracy have a very comfortable relationship. They remind me of me and my husband in a lot of ways in that lots of jokes, lots of just, like, hanging out, lots of, like, trying to figure... And it's probably the kid thing, trying to figure out who's what and where. And, um... <laughs> Actually, someone once told me that me and my husband... Like, they went to Olive Garden with a friend who had never met my husband. She just heard a lot of stories about him. And she said there was a crackling sexual energy between us. We were arguing over breadsticks. <laughs> but I would say that like our relationship is very much friend-based. And then Tracy and Stamie, they're friends first. And I like that about them. It's probably one of the reasons I like them the most. And so once, <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> Tracy's mom's expecting. I'm sure she's found out what Stamie looks like from Facebook and shit. But I don't know if she's expecting like, you know, Mr. Still Your Girl. I don't know if she's like looking for like some sexually charged stud that like still has Tracy's pussy juice on her face. I don't fucking know. I don't know what she thinks Stamie is. Stamie's a very, she seems like an easy to like person. She's like easy to be around. And I think that once she gets to see that, that's going to change a lot of things for them. So yeah. Um, and now we're almost done. Let's talk about Whitney. So if you have ever watched this show, this is the episode you remember with Whitney. Whitney's having, by the way, in real time, Whitney's had her baby. And Kara sent me a text message <laughs> showing me the baby because it was a post where Whitney was like, I made this baby. That baby looked like one of those baby reborns. So you know what I'm talking about? The little babies people get when they miscarry. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? The babies that feel real, that people walk around with. I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to like downplay the pain of miscarrying and everything. I am saying can't relate to the idea because I've had a miscarriage before. Can't relate to the idea of holding a fake baby and pretending it's real. I don't, I don't know what that's about. I, I don't get that part. And I'm not saying it's wrong. <laughs> I'm saying it's unrelatable to me. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> that's what that baby looked like. The hat, it had. I was like, is that baby real? What is that? Looked like that hat was hiding where the barcode was. I, I was like, okay, fine. Whitney had a baby. Fine. <laughs> so Whitney's in the in the show. Whitney's having it's a weekend. She's having a paintball game and then she's having a white trash pool party. And she and Tor are betting on who wins the paintball game, and the winner is gonna top the loser. So essentially, they're gonna have sex no matter what. But it just depends on who's gonna do the topping. Who's gonna fuck him? Who's gonna fuck who? And Whitney says there's a lot of tension in their relationship and Whitney thinks this is a good idea. So obviously they're back into each other. And I know the last time we saw them, they, they'd had some like grinding and some kissing and then like drunk ass tore with the bed and Whitney was like holding her or whatever. But they sleep in the same bed every night. They have been ramping up their sexual stuff. Like they're either making out, figuring each other, whatever, they're fucking. I don't know. One of those things. I'm just saying you don't get from I'm mad at you and I don't ever want to see you again to let's make a friendly bet about who's going to top who. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't get that part. Um, there's a step in between. So at the paintball game are the people we know, some familiar people there, Mikey, 
Rose and her crew. And, you know, they're very... Mikey says she loves paintball. She can't wait to shoot things. And Rose is, like, a tall, athletic girl. She brought her whole crew with her, and they're all athletic. Rose says they they know how to shoot things because they're from the hood. She's joking, she says. Um, so, because Mikey... Because Whitney and Tor have this rivalry... Tor goes on Rose's team. Mikey's on Whitney's team with their people. And Whitney's team are the underdog. Like I said, Rose, those are professionals um, <laughs> over there. And, you know, they go out and do it. And, you know, at the end, um, it's Tor and Whitney at the end. And Whitney wins. So she's got to fuck Tor. And Whitney's looking for a new strap on for her Tor adventure. And she says she has a strap, but she doesn't want to use it. The same one on everyone because it's like a guy not washing his dick in between women. No, it's not, Whitney. It's like a guy not taking off his dick and putting on a new one between women. No, it's not. Wash it. Wash it well. Try it out. <laughs> Use it again. I cannot. Whitney, and Whitney seems broke, to be honest. So I can't even believe she's going out to buy it. But okay, fine. Dicks are not cheap. Um... So Scarlet's coming along, and it feels like Scarlet's never been in a sex toy store. She's just like, oh, ooh, this is for two girls. And when he's like, yeah, uh, two girls are going to be there. <laughs> um, she wants Whitney to get a big black cock. Uh, okay. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't have time to break that down. Um, but Whitney wants to get a a dick that's similar to her flesh tone because she she feels like she wants it to look like hers and she's getting the harness and everything a little black leather looks like leather might be vinyl I don't know harness and um she says that if she she's got a good sized dick there because if she was a man she'd have a big dick maybe I I can see that um apparently Taurus new to the scene um, so she doesn't had a lot of like strap on sex before. So buying all this stuff is exciting. And Whitney's like excited to use it on her. And we see them get in the bed and we can hear Whitney say in a voiceover, can I cash in on that bet now? I mean, so it's a voiceover. It could have actually been said. And she's like, seriously, it's, it, it could have happened in the kitchen the way, like the way Tor reacted to it. But I mean, we're meant to understand that they fucked the next time we see Whitney, she's saying that they did have strap, they did have sex with the strap on, and it was balls to the walls, and it was amazing. And Tor is saying the same thing. She says they have, they really have something together. They have a spark together. And this brings me up. This is the third time I'm mentioning Kara in this thing, but I'm going to. Kara um, tweeted. She had like a little poll about where who your best sexual experience was, and whether it's the partner you have now. And she had some choices. Yes, yes, because we're in love. No, and it's not a big deal. And no, and it's a problem. And the most of the people put no, and it's not a problem. It's not a big deal. And, or yes. And I put no, and it's not a big deal. And the reason I said that is because sexual experience is very different from sexual relationship, right? A sexual experience is a thing that happened, like a, a, you base it by one incident, not the whole relationship. And my sexual experience has a lot more to do with who I am, me, rather than the person I'm having sex with. If you think about it that right, it's my experience. A relationship has more to do with between me and that other person. And so my best sexual experience happened when I was new to sex. 
and everything was new and everything was exciting and everything. And I, it, it, it was one of those things where it was like, oh my God, we might get caught. Like it was something like that. It was something that just doesn't happen because I'm grown now. You know what I'm saying? I've been having sex since I was a teenager. So certain sexual experiences new that were new to me are very or stick out in my mind because that's what they were they were new to me but I think first of all I think most people in that thing lied Uh, it was either a yes or a like I said a no but it's not a problem I think the yes people are either very young or lying (laughs) because I think most people's best sexual experience meaning a sexual a time you had sex is some is usually something that happened when you were younger it's a fling it's you know some some guy you met one summer some girl that you had a one night stand with um that i think that's most people's best like hottest sex and something like that and sexual relationships have multiple multiple instances of sex years and years of sex and are just different in comparison. So like my best sexual relationship was obviously my husband and he's here because he's the best I've ever had in all kinds of ways. And emotionally, physically, and he is, he's the best person I've ever been with in that way. And I'm not saying he's perfect because if you want to, we can stop this fucking podcast right now and I'll list all his faults for you if you want. Cause I just have a handy data list right here. But... <laughs> And if you want me to list a, uh, a list of incidents in which he failed me, I will do that. <laughs> in which I was disappointed. Yes, we can do that. I have the list right here. But in terms of when we talk about me getting what I need and what I want, me having the space to explore who I am sexually, it's been with him because the rest of it was perfect, not perfect, but the rest of it was in place. And I really want to be careful about like people thinking that good sex or, or enjoyable sex is a replacement for a sexual relationship. Because Tor and Whitney do not have a sexual relationship. They've had sex a couple of times. And it's been good. But Tor, as a rule, as a rule, doesn't get what she needs from Whitney. And like you're like, well, she got what she needed that night. Uh she had a good night with Whitney. But in general, if Tor was getting what she needed and what she wanted, she and Whitney would have been having a relationship this time and they would have been having sex the entire time. And as much as like Taurus, like we fit together. No, you you don't really fit together. Your bodies may fit together, but that's not the same as you two fitting together. That's a different thing. Uh, I also talked about on Twitter about how, like I've talked about on this podcast about how like my love language is um, acts of service. It always will be. Do something for me. Like the fact that when I'm sitting in my couch, I didn't even know my husband left and he went to the store and he came back and I was like, oh, you went to the store, you didn't think about me? And he just pulls out uh, Ben and Jerry's, what's it fucking called? Cherry Garcia, which is my favorite ice cream. He's like, I always think about you. And I'm like, yes, he got me ice cream. Things like that. Things like 
I'm not, I haven't been able to talk about how I've been feeling with people. And we had a conversation that was not about how I felt. It was about something else. And he could feel that I needed him. And I didn't ask him to come home. I mean, he ultimately couldn't do it because of work obligations and he's got a promotion. Things have changed a lot there. But his instinct was, okay, she needs me and she needs small things for me. She doesn't need me to come in here and hold her and tell her I love her or anything like that. But she does need me to get all the shit off the bathroom counter. And she does need me to like, he, he gets those things. And that's really important to me. Um, and feeling loved. He, on the other hand, physical touches his, his love language. He needs to touch me. He needs to hold me. He needs to have sex with me. And so because of that, I have more sex than I would like to have. Like I would love some lesbian bed death right around now. I thought I was gonna be married this long. I thought I was not gonna be having this much sex, but apparently I am. And I'm gonna have to. <laughs> he also does not like sex to be uh, planned. So I have to make a plan for sex that seems random to him so he doesn't know <laughs> like that's the thing we have to do but it's because it's how I keep it's how I give him what he needs and I'm sure there's plenty of shit that he does like like that he thinks about that I don't even I don't even realize he's doing because he's trying to give me what I need uh and yet this is still like this is the best sex I've had but not because of the sex itself. It is more the best sex I've had because of the way that I am allowed to be and the way that I, I can experience it. Now, I mean, everybody loves a big dick, okay? <laughs> Tour included, apparently. <laughs> but that is not like having sex with somebody who has a big dick and knows how to use it is great. And having like first time sex or like, not even first time sex is usually pretty gross and just like whatever, you know, but having, but once you have enough experience to know what you want during sex and having like, and things are new to you, like that's, that's really sexy too. And these things all belong. These things all have a place. What Tor's doing with Whitney has a place. Like she's, she's strapmatized. I was going to say digmatized. <laughs> she's strapmatized by somebody. Whitney is alluring to her. She she attracts her in certain ways and there's things that she's fulfilling by being it with Whitney. What do they say? You, she's still at the table. So she must be being served something she wants. There must be something she wants from Whitney that she's getting from her at least sometimes. But having that great sexual experience with Whitney is not the same as having a good sexual relationship with Whitney. And I don't know. I think we all get confused by that a lot. I've been confused by it. My first love, like I adored him. I mean, we were off and on for seven years. He was abusive. It was terrible. I mean, he, all kinds of fucking things have happened. And recently I got in contact with him. Well, I didn't get, he got in contact with me a few years ago and it was good catching up, like knowing about like family members and stuff. And like, he closed some loops for me. He told me some truths about some things that I had to wonder about a lot. Um, there's a lot of cognitive dissonance in that relationship and he was honest about some things and I even got some apologies and stuff. I mean, there's some things we still very much disagree on, but here's the deal. As much as I enjoyed having sex with him and over the years and had some great sexual experiences with him, I never had a great sexual relationship with him and cause it was never 360 and 
I'm sitting there talking to him. And he's still in the same shit. Him and that big dick been sling. He been slinging it up and down the coast. <laughs> are still in the same shit that he used to always be in. Always. Like he is completing the same patterns over and over and over again. And I don't have any. I don't hold any ill will against him. I don't hold any like, you know. I don't. I don't want it to be like. Oh, victims need to take their their what what their role is. And the fact is, I was a victim to him in a lot of ways, and also I did things that placed me in that role. I am going to take responsibility for the bad decisions I made. I'm going to take responsibilities for the left turns I made when I should have made a right turn, and also say, and you also shouldn't have done some those things to me. I may have allowed you to do things to me, but that doesn't mean that you should have done them. And he apologized for a lot of stuff and, you know, I accept it. But I remember I was on the phone with him and we did, had a long phone call because just like, just rehashing a lot of stuff. I don't think you need to talk to someone to get closure. I had closure with him, but it was nice to be, for someone to be like, yep, yeah, that did happen. Well, actually this was going on and I felt this way. So that's why I did. It was nice to have that conversation. You know, I love to like, you know, poke at shit, you know, really get down and deep in the wounds. And so, but I'm having that conversation and like, I'm like, this guy is still fucking crazy. He's still going through the same shit. 20 years later, he's still doing it. And I'm just thinking, oh God, thank God. I did not let myself fall into this trap thank god i am not sitting there next to him doing the same shit over and over and over again so i'm talking to him and he's telling me about whatever problem he's having I'm like Ugh. you know i'm really i'm not like being nice to him very much i am telling him the truth i'm i'm enjoying the conversation but i'm also like oh that's your fault oh that well you probably did that <laughs> And he was broke, and I was telling him, I was like, listen, if you still got that big dick, you got at least $50. You're sitting on at least $50 worth of dick. Get out there and start slinging it. You know you love it. <laughs> he loves older women, too. So you find yourself an older woman and let you stay with them. That's your MO. <laughs> so go ahead and do that. <laughs> and I'm talking to him, and then just my husband shows up in the bedroom. I just look up, and he's got Arby's. <laughs> We don't have Arby's around us. And I love Arby's. Arby's for people who don't want to live. <laughs> like I said, they have... The, the recent years, they really just love to be like, how? what kinds of meats do you want in this sandwich? Duck? Pheasant? A couple of pet hamburger patties? But anyway, he got me the... He got me what I wanted from Arby's without asking, without having to be told. And he just put it there in a milkshake. And he says, oh, I thought you might be hungry because it's late. And... I just like, on the phone, I'm like, you see what the fuck I'm talking about? I don't have to ask for these things. I don't have to be like, I am a person that needs to eat. He just, it's like, princess might be hungry. I'm hungry, princess, I'm gonna go get her. I know what she wants. I I don't know. I, Kara said it sounded like, uh, this is a script. And you know what, maybe I should be writing for them. Maybe I should be writing for them. <laughs> but... I, that moment was like, oh yeah, oh yeah. This is one of the reasons I, like that dude can never give me what I wanted. And I did have some great sexual experiences with him. But overall, my relationship, and especially my sexual relationship was not 
just because I had some hot moments does is not the same as we had a good relationship, you know? I don't know. I'm babbling now, but I just want, like, I, when I saw that, I was like, yeah, yeah, there's a difference between the two. And it's okay if your, if your hottest sexual experience is not inside your best sexual relationship. It's not. It doesn't have to be as long as you are getting orgasm, being respected and giving space to explore things and enjoying yourself. That's great. It doesn't have to be the time you met the you was, uh, I don't know, you was at the beach for the summer, you met this boy, and the two of y'all went off together, and you had sex up against a rock <laughs> on the Jersey Shore. I don't, what story am I saying? Is, is this a movie? <laughs> what? It doesn't, it, and it's very hard to sustain that, to be honest, when you're in a relationship. There are ways that you know each other that, that can make, it hard for it to be the hottest moment. But, you know, I'll take the safest moment, the most uh the most fulfilled moment, the most the moment where it's okay for me to try new things and to have new things tried with me because I feel complete I feel like this is the safest place. I I will take that before over I don't know, I had a one night where Whitney strapped me to death. And so <laughs> Anyway, uh, so the next day they're having the white trash pool party, okay? Whitney says she comes from white trash and she turned out fine. Sure. Um, at the party, uh, Whitney's telling Scarlett how good the sex was with Tor and how amazing it was. I'm like, all right, is this something you need to talk about for all these fucking people? But whatever. And then Romy shows up. Romy seems very surprised. that I mean, Whitney seems very surprised that Romy showed up. And I was a little confused by that. I was like, didn't you invite her? You're fucking her, right? Didn't you invite her to come? What's she doing there? Um, and that's when we move on to, to distract from that awkwardness, Whitney and Scarlett wrestle in cream corn in a baby pool. It's disgusting. Someone is in a giant vagina costume coaching. There's someone calling the match. It's gross. I, I don't know. It, this isn't in my cup of tea, but they did that. I also noticed Whitney has two lower, two eyes tattooed on her lower back. What is that about? <laughs> and Tor's doing um, round two with Whitney and she has some bad tattoos too. And anyway, all this wrestling turns Whitney on and then they have a jello shot while they're sitting in the corn. Um, some point after this, it's, I want to say it's hours later cause they're very drunk. By the way, they're interspersing this with the Seder and Jill and Nikki's and I'm like this is why we think it's boring because look what they're doing look what you're doing so at some point later Whitney is super drunk and she's talking to Romy outside and Romy grabs her by the hand and like basically leads her to the bedroom and Tor watches them going like what the fuck like she looks pissed and but inside Whitney and Romy are like fucking on camera like this is what you remember when you remember this first season Whitney and Romy are just like Naked and getting it and just like, and then Whitney puts on her new strap. <laughs> that was supposed to be for tour. <laughs> and they just like do it. They just get, and I mean, they are, they are having sex on camera. It's obvious, uh, like obvious, like they are having sex on camera. Um, and 
Romy's in a talking head, so she feels very comfortable in bed. She lets it all go. Um, I can see that because I'm watching you have sex. <laughs> um, and the party's going on. People are knocking on the door. Tori is yelling. She's mad. She's complaining. She's crying, apparently. She's complaining to Scarlet. And Scarlet is just like looking at her like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, she is fucking Romy in there. They're in there forever. So when Winnie's like Whitney is very drunk. When Whitney is done, she is so drunk that like Scarlett is trying to explain to her why people are mad. You have been in the room for a very long time with Romy and everybody knows you've been fucking her. Tor is here and she saw you. You know, like I said, Tor was apparently crying and Whitney realized she really fucked up. She goes to this... So at this house, they have like a guest house or a garage apartment or something that I think it's season two or maybe even three that I realize it's there because they have someone coming from New York who comes and stays in that. And I'm like, why didn't Tor just stay in that apartment thing? Why does she need to come here and stay in Whitney's bed? It doesn't make sense. Um, but yeah, she goes up there to talk to Tor, and Tor is like devastated. And Whitney's like, you know, I don't know why I do this. I I really hurt you, blah blah blah. And Tor's like, yeah, bitch, you hurt me. But this is your world, and we all just fucking live in it. And you know, essentially, it was disrespectful. Like, Whitney goes down, she ends up talking to Alyssa. Whitney's crying. And Alyssa's kind of crying with her. And maybe she's drunk, too. And Whitney feels like shit. And she says she really doesn't know why. And Alyssa brings up, like, she's like, bitch, you're sharing a bed with Tor every night. And last night, you fucked her in it. And then today, while Tor was here, while we had a house full of fucking people, you took Romy into that bed where Tor sleeps every night and fucked her. Like she said it. <laughs> she said it in the terms that like, like, let me ABC this for you, bitch. Because this, you know, Whitney's feels there. I mean, it is disrespectful. Um, Whitney's single. But she doesn't play single, you know? She's technically, this is the fuckboy part of it. She's technically single, but she, when she's interacting with you, she doesn't want to act like she's single. And then she does some shit like this, which is incredibly disrespectful. And, you know, she wanted to know why everybody's crying. Tori even brings up, why didn't you take Romy to her house and fuck her? Well, because she's drunk and she's here. That's why she didn't. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. Um, it ends up with Whitney saying, this isn't even who I am. This isn't even me. And then she goes, well, maybe it is me. Yeah, Whitney, maybe it is you. This is like, you did it and you been doing shit like this. You like, it's one thing to be single. It's another thing to be someone who doesn't care about other people's feelings. And that's how you, and now you're all sad and crying and shit, but like, dude, this is like incredibly disrespectful to her. Really, it really was. And that's how we end up this week. Wow, I actually went for a long time today. This felt good, this felt good. I'm glad I did it. Um, 
So guys, if you're a Patreon member, it's patreon.com backslash by pumpkin. Um, I'm going to do a princess diaries next week where it's, it's an easy thing to do. I just talk about what's going on and I could give you a little bit more. Um, I just talk about my life. And so you'll probably get that Wednesday night or so, but remember the main, the main feed and the bonus episode for Hogan's Knows Best, we're going to skip next week so I can like have some time to myself and maybe just maybe me and Kara are going to talk about a very niche topic (laughs) that you might see, you might see out there. But until then, thanks for uh, listening. Thanks for I don't know. Thanks for like helping me muddle through. It's, it's, it's rough out here. I know it's rough out here for all of us, but we're going to get through it. I'm 80% sure. (laughs) I'm 80% sure. All right, guys. Till next time.